Wait, sure. how that Bill Gates meeting happen? What, like, why were you at his house? Well, he caught me because... No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. Today's episode is brought to you by Marcus Bastin, who is a Patreon supporter, and it is only because of people like Marcus and the other Patreon supporters that we have that episodes like this are able to come out. So thank you so much to Marcus. Thank you so much to the other Patreon supporters. If you would like to become a supporter on Patreon and help this show survive, then uh, please head over to patreon.com slash halfhourintern and and consider supporting. Um, if you support right now, it is great timing because you will be entered to win either a really cool watch or a really cool pair of sunglasses from Truewood, one of my former guests. Um, and you get to choose which watch you want or you get to choose which, sun, which sunglasses you want. And uh, anybody who is a supporter on Patreon before Monday, March 13th will be entered to win either the watch or the sunglasses. Um, also, we have another contest going on right now from the previous guest, Charlie Harrington, the tarot card reader. If you leave a review for the show on iTunes, you could win a free 30-minute tarot reading with Charlie, which I did one, and it is absolutely awesome. Charlie is so good at what he does. So anyways, those are the contests we got going on right now. On to today's episode. In it, I speak with Justin Washington about software engineering, and specifically, we talk about what Justin does, which is QA software engineering, which stands for Quality Assurance Software Engineering. It occurred to me that I have not really done any interviews in the tech industry, which is almost incredible. This show's been going on for almost two years now. We have about 180 episodes, and tech is so pervasive and absolutely everywhere in our lives, and yet somehow I had never really done any episodes on this or software engineering or anything like that. So um, this is the first episode like this, and I am going to immediately follow it up with another one. The next episode is going to be about app development. On, on more of like a, a hobby side, not really a job side. So this first episode with Justin will tackle the career of software engineering and specifically what it's like to do quality assurance, which sounds like such an awesome, creative, interesting way to interact with software engineering. And Justin will tell us all about that. He is so awesome and so intelligent and so hardworking. He... Uh, got his very first job out of college at Apple. Then he worked for Twitter for a while. Now he works for Snapchat. So he's worked for some of like the biggest, biggest players out there. So he really knows what he's doing, really knows what he's talking about. So if you have ever wanted to know more about the software engineering field and what the heck those people do all day and what it's like culturally speaking at a tech company, because there's a lot of rumors floating around about those sorts of things, um, Justin will tell us about everything you want to know. So without further ado, here is QA Software Engineer. Justin, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Man, Blake, thanks for having me, bro. I'm really excited. Yeah, Thank you, man. I am, I'm really excited. I talked to you in an email. So I um, just moved to Arizona from San Francisco, and I have a lot of friends and acquaintances in the Bay Area that are into software development uh, in some way, shape, or form. And I never had any of them on the show before. Because they're all just so, like, they're the best people and they're great friends and stuff, but they're very introverted. I just didn't feel like they would be able to convey <laughs> the things right on the show. 
So I'm so happy to meet you because you seem like the type of person that will really, really be able to cover these things well. So this is awesome to finally do this, despite the fact that I've been doing the show for like two years straight in San Francisco, like the hub of tech and never did one of these yet. So nice (laughs) to finally do it. So uh, let's start out with trying to explain for everyone, including me, because I still don't even entirely understand it. Um, what the various fields of software engineering are, and then we can talk about what you do specifically. So people hear terms like software engineering, or I'm a developer, or I'm a coder, or this or that. Are these terms all interchangeable? And like what I guess, what terms are interchangeable? What terms are not? What are like the various fields that someone can go into within software engineering? Yeah, uh, so I'll kind of start with um, what's been going on recently in, in the industry. Uh, you've seen the the rise of coding boot camps. Uh, are you familiar with that, yes, that term definitely. or that notion? Uh, so let's say you applied to a coding boot camp. You went to through a three month course uh, and you came out uh, as as a coder. Uh, I would say you would be considered a coder. Uh, a software engineer, I would say, is someone who has, you know, you've gone to school, you've gotten your degree in computer science and engineering or computer engineering, and you've not only learned uh, syntactical practices or a coding language, but you've learned the practice of software engineering and working with, with teams uh, to build a product uh, using programming languages. Uh, and there are facets to software engineering that have to do with uh, writing software that is for mobile devices, writing software that is for desktop ab- desktop applications, writing software that's you know um, uh, benefiting uh, back end uh, server applications and stuff for the cloud. And so uh, I know I've kind of just given you a buffet of of things <laughs> in this explanation. Well, no, so if, first of all, already it sounds like then if you went to one of these coding boot camps, you might know. Uh, what works like they're going to teach you what to code like what will work and then if you went to a four-year university and got like a software engineering degree um, then you maybe also know why it works how yep. it were in and, and you can you, you will have been tasked with already building some stuff with teams of people yeah yeah you're, you're gonna you're gonna learn things in school you're gonna learn about well, i majored in computer science engineering so i learned about computer science and theory uh, and application. And, you know, there's even just a lot of math and, you know, they teach you how to problem solve with tools or solve problems with tools uh, versus learning one language and learning everything about that language. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So, um, you know, with with that um, software engineering uh, within the umbrella of software engineering, there's, you know, like I said before, you you could be, writing an ios app or writing an app for android uh, on the mobile side uh, or you could be you know writing software a software application for the desktop for um the mac operating system or windows operating system uh th- there's there's different um different languages for different uses or you could be doing web programming you know uh you could be um you know learning a language that is specifically you know just for a web application um, so yeah, there, there's there's different facets of um, different languages for different uses and different products, and then in, in school, what I think is what they try to do is 
try to get you to not be married to a language, but learn how to um, use different algorithmic practices and apply them to different languages and different problems. To conceptualize uh, the whole thing as a, as a whole and not exactly. be so caught up on exactly what language it is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you then have a, a software engineering degree and you go and you work as a, um, let's say, like app developer and you're working with, I just learned this the other day from another interview that will be coming out near the same time as your interview, but I think mm-hmm. most apps will use like Java as the language. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah. Okay. So if you're doing it, working as an app developer and you then want to go and work with like C plus or whatever the hell that is like somewhere <laughs> else, would you be hired away to, to uh, work on a website with C plus or something? Or are they like, Oh no, you're an app guy. Like, you are a quote unquote app developer, so we you know you are now and forever an app developer because that that sort of happens in other industries and in other um, roles in life you know like when you go down one path with a company it's like you're now labeled and branded and that's what you do yeah no I don't think that's uh, true of of uh, the tech company at large uh, I think that good companies will hire people that are smart and know how to solve problems um, because if you're smart, you can learn the language. You can learn any language. Uh, and based on your background, um, you know, let's say if, if, if you had experience, you know, doing mobile app development, uh, if you wanted to go for a position that was at a company that had to do with front end web development, uh, if you haven't had experience with that, obviously you wouldn't necessarily get hired unless you had showed you know, hey, I've worked on web projects before. I'm not an expert at this language, but this is what I know how to do in this language. And this is what I know how to combine and so on and so forth. Um, I think that specifically when it comes to programming languages, uh, there are languages that are in the same category. Um, Like, for example, there's um, this notion of object-oriented programming, and there are languages that fall under that umbrella, C++, uh, Java, um, a few other ones. Um, and so if you know one, uh, if you do an interview with the company, they'll say, you know, let's talk about, you know, trying to um, make a dictionary app or something like that. And they'll say, use a language of your choice. You know, they won't say, do it in this language. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure. Because, you know, languages are, a language is a language is a language. If they're in the same kind of family, uh, it's a it's a syn- syntax you know deal, and they want to see how you think. They want to see how you approach solving problems. That's why in school, you know, there's a class I took um, called Data Structures and Algorithms, in which you just learn. It's not about the language. It's about learning what tools and what data models and building blocks to use for different kinds of problems. And you see those problems manifest um, in the real world for sure when you're building apps and you're building features, you know, everything is related and, you know, interconnected and you just have to figure out, you know, especially when you're making products that millions and millions of people are going to use, you definitely have to figure out what's the best approach in, in solving it and using what tools you've learned in okay. a given language. Okay. So something you just mentioned is like, if you're developing on the front end, I forgot about that. So there's like front end development, back end development. So front end mm-hmm. is what customer facing back end is like company facing part of the software. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so front end is is basically uh, things that the user sees and interacts with um, uh, UI, which is user interface, uh, buttons, um, 
anything client side, which is the stuff that you see and use. Uh, back end is the stuff that you don't see. So for example, uh, you have an account, right? With let's say Twitter or Facebook, you have a Facebook account. Um, there's information uh, that's real to you into your account that you don't necessarily see. That's necessarily not necessarily tangible. You know what I mean? Like you think about your body, the human body, you know, uh, front end is, you know, your eyes and your skin and your, your nails and your, you know, uh, your skin color and your facial features and your abs and your chest, your anatomy. And then the back end is your nervous system, you know, your heart, uh, your lungs, uh, your intestines. You know what I mean? The stuff so the front end is like looking really good and the back end is like totally falling apart. Is that what you're saying? It, Yes, of course. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> <Precise>. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, in so many words. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you other, so I just wanted to clear that up because I guess to that same point about languages and this and that. If you had been a front end developer for most of your life and you wanted to go into working as a back end developer, is that a very easy switch? Is that just like, oh yeah, of course, like just come on over? Is that like, oh hey man, you're a front end guy, you're not a back end guy? Uh, it depends. So. Uh, and this is where I would go. Um, I mean, I'd say anyone can learn anything. Nothing is is impossible. And I don't say that as a cliche, like, oh, you you can do anything. Like, no, you, you really could, you know. And I think it's about, let's say, if I'm if I've had experience uh, doing front end engineering work at a large scale engineering org, and you know, I've had to interact with engineers that work on the back end and I at least understand the the handshake between front end and back end services or applications, the transition would be relatively smooth. You know what I mean? Because uh, you don't necessarily work on this stuff um, siloed in a box, uh, especially at, an, at a company or a big company or a product that has millions of users. You know, you're not just working on your thing and that's your thing and you don't see anything that's going on around you. You know, uh, I think everyone has to be knowledgeable about uh, the different stakeholders uh, in their product. So if you're around that, that transition would be relatively easy. Uh, if you come from, you know, let's say like a, a, a hacker school or, a, um, you know, like a boot camp, uh, it would just depend on like you, you know, the information is out there, you know, so you could learn it and you can make that transition if you wanted to. It's just about, you know, uh, learning. And I think the only thing that differs those things I just said was someone having direct experience with working with people that are on that other side versus, you know, starting from scratch and learning it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you are a QA engineer, which I assume stands for quality assurance, correct? That's correct. All right. So you're a quality assurance engineer. Uh, like what specifically do you do? And then how does that interact with some of these other roles that we've talked about? Uh, well, so I come into work, I press buttons and I just collect my check. But, that you know sounds I mean? so bad. You need to get me a job <laughs> stat. That sounds awesome. Send me a resume at the end of the interview. <laughs> I'll refer you to my team. All right. <laughs> no. Um, so in, in QA, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background on how I got into QA. So, I was at school majoring in computer science. So in school, I was developing hardcore developer, writing code, um, the whole nine. And for me, doing that was only fun when I could 
see where I could one understand everything that was going on and to see the real world impact. Uh, so in school, I was like, I was struggling. I was on academic probation twice. Like I was, you know, mulling over, uh, switching my major and doing something that I wanted that I really, really loved, you know, like music or music production. Uh, and every year, every summer I would get a crazy internship at Microsoft or Yahoo or I Apple. saw this on your LinkedIn. You have to tell us about how that happened, but we will we'll yeah. take care of that after this. So keep going with this story. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, um, so that was my sort of conundrum in school. It was just like, man, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and, and handle it because, you know, the people that was in my, that were in my classes were people that had just been coding since they were 11, 12, 13 years old, people that just were geniuses. And I'm just sitting in there like, man, like, you know, I think I want to do video games or I think I want to work on mobile. So, you know what I mean? I just did. I I had a pulse on what I thought I could do, uh, but I wasn't really it's not my bread and butter. It's not something I wake up and say, hey, I will spend days, you know, without sleep coding. Like, no, it wasn't me. Like, I was like, I want to learn it and I want to get it done and I don't want to mull over it. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so w- within within that umbrella, there's also roles that, you know, companies have, you know, called product managers and PMs and product designers. Uh, and a lot of companies value people that have the technical skills, but that also could empathize with people, they're really good communicators, they're people persons, they know how to have persuasive skills and, um, you know, they're, they're just personable. Um, and that was me, you know, so I was like, okay, I don't want to, you know, write code every day. I want to get more closer to the actual product, you know, or be a, a sort of user champion. Um, and that's what I think a quality assurance engineer is. Um, aside from the technical um, responsibilities, uh, I would say I'm a user champion. So uh, I'm the the last stop between the the product and the customer. Uh, so every day I'm working with our designers, our designers and our product people are coming up with what to build. And then our developers are actually building it. And then I'm the one that's working with both of them after the implement after the implementation's been done and while it's being done, um, to get them to think about, okay, but what about this kind of user? And, and I'm trying to break it in every way that I can. Mm, uh, that's awesome. So by, so by the time it gets to you, you will have covered a number of different use cases and scenarios so that the product runs smoothly and is flawless. Um, and then if something goes wrong, like you know, then I'm the blame. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, but um, yeah. In in summary, day to day, um, I'm working with designers and developers as they come up with new features and as they develop to test those features and break them in every way that I can. Um, I'm writing bugs and I'm working with the developers to get them fixed and verifying those fixes. Uh, and also advoc- being a user advocate. You know, um, a lot of times. You know, developers are just building their heads down. They're not really thinking, you know, um, globally. And I think that designers can also sometimes to be a prisoner of, you know, um, the perfect design or, you know, designing for themselves and maybe not necessarily thinking about a number of different users. So 
I'm getting creative. I'm, my job is to get creative and thinking about, OK, how would so and so use this or how, how can this go wrong or just being explorative and, and really being experimental and trying to break it. And I thought that I was really good at that. And I also was really good at working with different kinds of people and um, empathizing with a number of different people. So uh, QA was the, the role within software engineering that resonated with me most. Yeah, it makes sense. Like how great for someone like you who is a musician and really likes being creative that uh, that you get to work with that kind of side of your brain with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great, man. You had some badass internships when you were in college. <laughs> and it's amazing hearing you say that you were dealing with things like being on academic probation when you were in college, because yeah. these internships are like people from all over the world probably are trying so hard to get these internships. So how the hell did you get these? Man, you know, uh, I, <laughs> really, like, I, I'm a man of faith, you know, and like, I was, I was it, blessings, man, like, blessings. I feel like God really blessed me to, you know, um, see past, you know, my own limitations and, you know, just to, to keep dreaming and thinking big, um, you know, practically that looked like in the form of having amazing friends, you know, um, that would help me in school and also, um, having mentors that believed in me, you know, and they'll give me a shot and give me a chance. Um, you know, my freshman year, I had um, well, well, every year the engineering school at Michigan would host every semester rather will host a career fair. And all the companies, every companies you could think of um, in tech and non tech would come to the career fair. And you you really it's like a layup, like you just go and you can talk to recruiters face to face, give me your resume, you know, talk about whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe get a job or maybe get an interview at least, you know, they would do in- interviews on site on campus. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get a decision right then and there if you're going to get an internship for next summer. Um, so I remember my freshman year, um, you know, I-, I was telling you about kids that I was in class with that, you know, I've been coding since they were born, um, but they didn't know how to talk to people. You know, they weren't confident, um, you know, and one thing that I could do, you know, me and my friends and being from Detroit, you know, I, we pride ourselves on what we call finessing, you know, and <laughs> you, you know, you know how to finesse, you know how to finagle, you know how to sell yourself. You just, you got a little bit of swag, you know, you can just talk to people, you know what I mean? Um, and I knew what I knew. I knew I wasn't the smartest, but I knew what I knew. I was honest about what I knew. I didn't really play up to my limitations. Uh, I was just played up my strengths, you know, and I would make it a point to just be articulate and to talk to people, get to know people. If, if I meet a recruiter, I will follow up with them. I'll keep in touch with them, you know, so my name and my face would always kind of be top of mind. So uh, my goal was to at least tap into their personal side and, you know, cause anything's possible, you know, anybody can do anything. And, you know, if you have the power, you know, recruiters and managers, like if they like you, like people are willing to give you a chance. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I um, I played up like so much, you know, while I was in school. I knew I wasn't the smartest, but, you know, people would come to me like, hey, man, like, can you can you show me how to, you know, can you take my resume? Can you tie it up, tidy it up for me? Can you tell me what's your approach when you talk to recruiters and you know, just how do you work up the confidence to do so and so? And and back then, like I just 
I figured like the worst somebody can tell me is no, you know, and I got I got used to rejection, you know, and I heard a lot of no's from a lot of companies. I was distraught, you know, I was hurt. But, you know, the things that were meant for me worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and I'm grateful. things that worked out and were meant for you were amazing. So you got these internships at Apple and then you ended up, your very first job out of school was at Apple, right? Yeah. That's yeah, so insane. Like that's yeah. so, so insane. That Like the the stories of people trying to work at companies like Apple and Google, like and, and just how unbelievably difficult it is. Like how crazy to be a 22-year-old kid and have a full-time job there. Like it's unthinkable. Yeah, you know, when I think about it, I really have to stop and think about it. Like, man, like, yeah, people were dying to be in my position. You know, when I when I just when I have bad days, or I'm just like, man, I'm over this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it really could be worse. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. You know, um, I remember my freshman year, right when I got it was the summer before the year started, and I did a program for incoming freshmen, and I had counselors, and you know, they would ask me like, oh, so, so what do you want to do, you know, after school? Like, why are you in this major? And, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, I want to work for Microsoft. You know what I mean? And, and, and 07, my freshman year at Microsoft was the, you know, they were like the juggernaut of the, the industry. You know, they had Microsoft, I mean, they had um Xbox and Xbox games and, you know, Windows. I was still using the PC at the time, you know? Um, so it was just like, it's, it's like, you know, um, if you're coming into the NBA and it's like, what do you want to do? It's like, I want to play with LeBron. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't know anything other than that. I was just like, this seemed like a cool company. And man, like, you know, that was behold, the iPhone launch. Yep. That was the iPhone launch. And that was my first summer internship. I ended up getting an internship with them, um, meeting Bill Gates and going to his house and the whole nine. It was just like, man, I get Am I really supposed to be here? Wow, so <laughs> you know crazy, I mean? man. Uh, so yeah, man, it's 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 really uh, I'm really humbled and, and thankful for those experiences. For Wait, sure. how that Bill Gates meeting happened? What, like, why were you at his house? Well, he called me because no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, it's they, like they Justin, I need some advice, man. I'm gonna fly <laughs> you out on this helicopter. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, maybe that'll happen. You know, I don't know. You never know, man. Uh, no, but. They had a, a program for the summer interns to do uh, every year up to that point. That was the last year they did it, but they did a um, a barbecue for all the interns uh, at his house, um, and they've got to meet him and all the other executives. And good time, really, really good time. That's um, great. We we didn't really tour the inside of the house as much. Uh, we were in the backyard, you know, um, the lake view. It was it was terrible, man. It was. <laughs> Yeah, the inside of his house is like notoriously crazy and like high tech and stuff. That's a bummer. You should have broken in there, man. Yeah, I know, man. You know, they they took our phones and we had to walk straight through. Like it was like you know Obama level clearance and dude, that's uh that's great. I love that. Um, all right, man. So let's talk a little bit about your life now. So you are working at Snapchat, which is now called Snap. Uh, before yep. this, you worked at Twitter. Before that, you worked at Apple. So, like, literally, like every big player, pretty much, <laughs> you've worked for. So, when you are working at a company like Snapchat or Twitter, how many engineers are we looking at that work under one roof that that are all quote unquote software engineers? Typically, in an org, it's about fifty percent, uh, like half half engineering roles and half other business development recruiting sales marketing 
partnerships. Damn, IT. That's so crazy, man. Yeah, um, yeah. So so we're looking, I think we filed the S one uh recently and um I think the we're around like maybe eighteen hundred people worldwide. All right. I have so many questions about that specifically with Snapchat. So that's unbelievable. So that means you guys have about nine hundred developers. Uh and you have an app. You guys have one app. And I'm sure that you mm-hmm. guys are working on tons of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys have a app. Like, what the hell does everyone do all day? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, so that's the thing. Uh, you would think that, right? Like, this one little dumb little app. How is this a company? Uh, you know, there, you'd be surprised, man. There, there's so many different facets. So, and, and then the way that our org is set up is, on the client side or the the front end side, there are feature teams, uh, and those feature teams are uh, responsible for different feature areas within the app. So uh, the camera team has a whole team of uh, iOS and Android developers, um, backend developers, uh, you know, um, a designer. Um, you know, uh, people that, you know, work on server aspects of the, the product. Wait, um, question really quick. When you say, because I would, th- this I feel like would be a good example for people, the whole, the whole camera team thing. It's been yeah. a camera team. Like, to what, how specific can someone's job get? Like, to what extent is someone working on, like, minutia? Like, if you are on a camera <laughs> team, is it just like, your entire job is to make the camera a little bit more sharp or like yeah. better. Like, would that be an entire person's whole job? Would that be an entire like group's whole job? Like is just to make yep. it a little bit sharper or something? Yeah, it could be, it could be um, a, a group of people. And the thing about it is like on paper, that job may seem like very rudimentary. Like, Oh, this is all you have to do is just make the camera better. Like just do it. Um, but that would be perfect if the camera was the only thing that we had to think about in the entire app. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like you have so many things going on in the camera world. You know, we have, you know, geo filters. Uh, we have the ability to, you've seen the dog lenses and all the other creative aspects that you can do on snap you've seen that stuff right yeah 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 you mean like um, when they put little goofy faces on people and stuff yeah, yeah 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 you have uh creative tools like doodling and captions and you know um those fat. by the way quite sorry to interrupt and to yep. totally take this on a sidetrack but that person that whoever created that like made snapchat as far as i'm concerned like the faces <laughs> like snapchat was like something that some people had um yep. and, and a lot of people were just like oh it's like what's really the difference between snapchat and vine and, and anything else for that matter and why don't I, you know maybe i just post a video on youtube and now you know now like periscopes here and like all this all their stuff and then snapchat had the goofy faces and all of a sudden like everyone had snapchat when they got the goofy faces that you can put on yourselves is that person on a solid gold yacht right now and if not, like they need to be, because like, like, do you, if you come up with an idea like that, 
Um, like I'm, I'm sure that there's some creative people in the company who, who's, you know, that's almost part of their role is like, Hey, try to come up with like the next big thing. If you add a, a major feature to an app like that, are you, uh, do you then get kind of uh, like, not even like a bonus, but like points or something? Like, are you now like a part owner of the company because you did this absolutely insane thing? Uh, well, uh, uh, no, <laughs> Justin, did you create that? Uh, well, I mean, I don't like to brag, man. I, I know this is about me, but you know, I'm trying to give my team some shout outs. You know, no, uh, I definitely didn't. Um, I definitely didn't create that. To give you a little bit of background, that came, uh, that feature came from an acquisition we made uh, from a company called Luxury, uh, who was based in the Ukraine. Um, so we bought their company they were already doing this really really cool lenses facial stuff and we bought them and integrated what they were doing in the snapchat app uh so that was a whole team that had nothing to do with anybody internally at snap from the beginning you know uh, the powers that be saw an opportunity and they acted on it and we integrated that that team so shout out to that team yeah for sure brilliant 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 creative people and artists like they have a now we're talking about people that have specialized roles like in that team there are people that are solely responsible for being creative and coming up with the latest new clever filters and also creating those for our ad partners i I don't know if you saw on the super bowl gatorade um did a um a cooler uh you know how when you win or you know the team yeah you know does the cooler over the coach's head we did a filter like that for the super bowl um so that team created it and gatorade you know bought it and it was like a sponsored lens yeah Uh, and you guys can do little small localized ones too right like people can pay like a thousand bucks or something to have like a geotagged one for like uh bachelorette party is it like you can swipe and it'll like show up there and you got this like personalized little geolocated tag thing yeah so so those are filters those are geo filters um and the lenses are more specific to like the facial stuff, like the dog, dog face and um, all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a, a slight difference between those. But to answer your question uh, before about, um, you know, fame and recognition, if you come up with the next idea, uh, you know, we're, we're a team effort. So we, we, <laughs> um, well, the way product decisions are made, um, you know, our product design team is, is super, super sharp and they work closely um, with, with Evan, our CEO and our head of product. Um, and they're constantly, you know, they have a roadmap that's planned out, you know, uh, I would guess years, you know what I mean? So uh, they're really, really smart. Um, but when we were very, very small, it was, uh, you know, pretty simple to, you know, if you had an idea, you could just you know, catch somebody in the hallway and be like, hey, like, look at this, look at what I did. And it's like, oh, like, if it's convincing enough, like, it's like, oh, yeah, let's, let's work that in. Um, but um, they, they are pretty smart in, you know, coming up with the innovative aspects of Snap. Uh, and even within the team, you know, I think people here at Snap are, they're not walking around like, yeah, I'm the one that, I'm the one that, invented teleportation on snapchat you know or i'm (laughs) i'm the one that you know i mean there are we can you can trace certain features to certain people for sure um but it's it's largely a team effort and those 
victories I celebrated, you know, across, you know, not only that person, but, you know, the team and across many orgs, because, you know, at this size of a company, it takes so many different hands to execute. You know, it's not just about the idea. It's about execution and then ultimately, you know, user delight. So that's a multi-team, multi-person effort. Yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. And if you're the type of person that's coming up with ideas like that, like you're you're probably going to be doing all right for yourself in life. You know, mm-hmm. it's, everything's going to work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, we're de- I mean, I, I'd say it's it's grateful to be at a company. I think that we're, we're very well taken care of, you know, uh, regardless, you know, we take our lumps together and we also, you know, take our, our victories and successes together. So, yeah, for sure. How yep. many how much time does it take? to code something uh yeah all right so i'm trying to think of like good examples of things to code so like if you want to add the the face recognition feature period so not actually putting a um uh some sort of goofy face onto someone's face but just the part of the app where, like, when you touch on the face, it does, like, the quick little, like, face map thing, you know, and yep. shows you that it recognizes you. How yep. long would something like that take a team of people and how many people to to program? When I touch a face, it's going to fully, like, recognize that that's where the face is. Yeah. Uh, well, so that simple interaction, um, you know, some someone could do that in a day. Um, now, if you're talking about just... Um, like the science behind um, just recognizing a face and, um, you know, uh, you know, I guess bringing up like different lenses and having them interact over the face and making sure that, you know, let's say when you do that interaction and you swipe that you swipe to the next one, it doesn't end up up on the, the ceiling or, you know, um, it's not upside down and it's right. perfectly aligned and all that stuff. Um, that's another story. Now, what about maintenance? Aside from launching new things, do you guys have people that just like clean up code per se and like maintain things? And would something with as many users and as like quote unquote complex as Snapchat or like when you worked at Twitter or something, um, would it just kind of start to break down and get more and more buggy over time without somebody just like cleaning it and maintaining it? Yeah, um, that definitely can happen. Um, you know, I think that uh, a lot of companies, you know, suffer from that. Let's say you go from when everything was cool, when it was just you and your friend and your two other friends or three other friends and you know, you're just starting a company and you built things a certain way and, you wanted to keep moving fast and you didn't really think about optimizing for, you know, X billion people <laughs> using your product. You were just trying to get it to work. You know, um, I'm not necessarily saying like that was the case with Snap, but, you know, I'm just saying like in, in the company in general, you know, um, you have to sometimes you shouldn't have to sacrifice uh, rate of execution with um, keeping things tidy and quality. Uh, ideally, those things work in tandem um, so that, you know, like the stopgap I mentioned before, you know, making sure that, you know, Blake, you can't make a change without it passing, you know, a certain threshold, you know, right. um, or um, if you write something, 
you write some code, you got to make sure it's well documented so that someone else can come in and see and know exactly what's going on. Um, and we have times within teams. So I mentioned to you the different feature teams uh, and each team has its, their own roadmap for the feature um, at large. Uh, and then we have a release every two weeks to the app store. So every two weeks you'll see an update for the Snapchat app on the Google Play Store or the iOS app store. Um, and every release, each feature team kind of has some things that they want to get out. Uh, and if the camera team is launching teleportation, then the the messaging team, you know, would you know, every, and every other team will fall back and say, okay, this is the this is the poster boy for this release. We're not going to we're not going to launch, you know, um, uh, telekinesis because they're launching teleportation. And that would just be too much, you know. Uh, so now we're going to take a step back and focus on what's called refactoring or, you know, tidying up, um, you know, the code that we've written or the features that we've written. Um, we just released a group chat, you know, for example, uh, in December. And that was a, a, a long process. And then after that was launched, the team that was that was responsible for that, you know, for the next few releases was just focused on fixing bugs that were on the backlog. And, you know, because when you're developing a product that big, you know, you got to meet deadlines. A lot of times you're making a mad dash to the finish line. And then once the finish line is released, you got to look back and say, OK, now how can we really like, you know, tie this up and make this cleaner? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like the there's just cycles, you know, of you know, feature, feature, big, 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 big product, you know, big, 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 big launch. And then you fall back and you say, okay, let's, let's take a breather. Let's tidy up. Let's just regroup. Let's, you know, refactor, let's clean up, so on and so forth. These bigger launches, how long are these people working on these things for? I, I, and I particularly want, like, it, it's great that you worked at Apple for a while. I think a lot of people always wonder that with something like an entire operating system or something, like when they make uh, Yosemite and then Sierra and then whatever. Uh, like how, like were they working on Sierra like four years ago? Like an update to an operating system is a desktop operating system or even mobile operating system is, is a big deal, right? Like for iOS, there's an OS update every year, like one a year. And then there's like an incremental one uh, or two that follow that. I would say maybe their plans are definitely years out. They've had things that they've been planning and thinking about for years, probably, you know, um, which I always think is funny when people clamor online and it's like, oh, why don't they get their act together and, and come up with this? You know, yeah. and it's like, well, they probably obviously are already thinking about that, but they're planning on launching it like Q2 2018. Like, sorry, it's not as quick as you want it or whatever, but like, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's already basically been developed. It's just not time yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, like software is just hard, man. You know, like it's just it's unpredictable. You know, code only does what you tell it to do. You know, it's it's not adaptive to, you know, human feelings or emotions or a number of different <laughs> uh, X factors. And and that's just, that's the thing. Like that's the beauty of my team. We we have to think about those things. Yeah. You know, when we're testing it. Uh, but you know, and and people are you know humans are humans. You know, and and uh, from the engineering side, you know, and then from the user side, people are are wacky and crazy and they use things in so many different ways. And it's impossible to think about that kind of stuff. But, 
you know, on, on the consumption side, you're like, man, like, they should just do this. Like, this is so easy. They should just do it, you know, and they don't think about, like, you know, it's not about the idea. It's really about the execution, you know. Absolutely. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it's a race to be first to market with a feature. Sometimes it's just about who's doing it right. And that first impression for a feature is everything, you know. Um, if you release something and it's supposed to be a flagship feature, it's hard to get people to turn away from their first impressions, especially if the market is just competitive, you know, itself. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah. So I would love to know what you think makes for a good uh, quality assurance engineer. I I always would almost like laugh to myself when I lived in the Bay Area and you would hear people talking about like, oh, that guy's like a really good software engineer. That guy's like such a good developer or whatever it is. And like, I would never really understand that because, yeah. uh, and I would like you to answer this question specifically for quality assurance engineer anyways, but I, I, anything related to, to software engineering, it was always so interesting to me because it's like, it's a, it's an actual skill set that you can just work on and learn. And it's like yeah. when somebody goes to a mechanic and they say, oh, <laughs> like my, uh, you know, my tire's flat or my engine's broken or whatever. And then the mechanic fixes the engine. It's not like, dude, this mechanic right here, like he's the shit, like he really yeah. knows what he's doing or like, you know, you don't get a, a guy to come to your house and like hammer some nails and boards together and be like, oh, this dude, nobody like hammers a nail like this dude, like he's crazy good at it. And it's like, that's the way that I, I guess I always looked at programming, you know, it's yeah. like you write the language in the computer and it does, and it does what it. you tell it to do. How are you extra good at that? Like, how do you like, it's not like you're like LeBron James and it's like you, you know, LeBron James is good at basketball and it's like, A, he works so hard. B, you look at him and it's like, you just need to look at him and be like, oh, that's going to be a dude that's good at basketball. Like yeah. that dude's yeah. like a physical specimen. And for coding, I guess I just don't understand it. So please explain to me for like specifically a quality assurance engineer where you have like the creativity meets engineering piece. Like what makes somebody good versus what makes somebody just average? Yeah. For any product, I think a good QA engineer is uh, creative. Um, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you are... Um, you know, you're uh, Beethoven or Picasso in, in that way, but you're just, you're explorative, you know, and, and you're not easily, like, satisfied. You know what I mean? Um, so that could be, like, let's say I was in charge of, you know, testing, or let's say you're in charge of testing Skype. You know what I mean? Uh, and then you say, okay, I'm a QA engineer for Skype. I'm going to do a call with you, Justin, and I'm going to have an 18-minute call. And then if I'm going to hang up and I'm like, all right, Skype is cool. Like, I'm good. Like, it, it works, right? Like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, someone good would say, all right, I'm going to test, you know, the audio quality of this call. I'm going to, you know, see what happens. What happens if I start a call with you? on wi-fi and then i'm walking with my computer and i walk off you know the the connection and i join wi-fi again or what happens if i'm playing music you know while i'm on a skype call or what happens if you know um someone else tries to call me while i'm on a skype call or you know what happens if uh you know so on and so forth what, what if i just leave the camera running how long does it take for it to just completely give out 
you know, um, there's just a, a lot of different things to think about. And I think someone good is, you know, um, creatively thinking about how to break something. You know, those people know how to help people walk through their problems, you know, or take steps to debug what's going on. Let's talk about the tech industry in general a little bit before we start to wind this thing down, because there's a lot of uh, like glitz and glamour and sparkle around the tech industry right now. And uh, like, what are some of the crazy awesome things that you have going on for you guys at the uh, Snap office? Like, do you guys get like free massages at your desk and stuff (laughs) like that? And uh, just talk about a little bit about like the whole culture of the tech industry in general. And yeah. what sorts of things you kind of like about it and what sorts of things you think could stand for improvement and what you don't like about it that much? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, I love a lot of things I love about tech. I mean, I'm kind of spoiled in the sense that this is the only corporate environment I know where, you know, you get free food and the vacation policy is generous and the pay is amazing. And, you know, you're at a cool location, you have cool office space and you, um, you know, you work with really cool, smart people. And, you know, right now I got on joggers and some, uh, you know, a a t-shirt and, you know, I can roll out of, literally roll out of bed and skip the shower and just come, you know, (laughs) or maybe not skip the shower, but, (laughs) uh, you know, I could be as relaxed as, I want to be in the environment, you know, and even just with flexible hours, you know what I mean? I think the thing is, you know, I could, like I couldn't imagine working on Wall Street or working for a financial services company or a job where I had to wear a shirt and tie and a suit. Like I just, that would kill me, like especially after everything that I've done, you know, mm-hmm. here in the, the environment, for sure. you know, is, is, is lax. Uh, and I think that's cool. Um, you know, and then there's just the, the media gratification you get when you're working on a product that everybody uses and loves. You know what I mean? Um, I've always worked on products that my friends could directly see the impact of my work. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and that's super cool. Um, so, and you know, in a lot of ways, even just with snap and being in LA, you know, um, the, the kind of people that I meet and the kind of meetings I'm able to do and the kind of rooms I'm able to be in just by virtue of working at Snapchat, you know, man, you work at Snapchat, like, oh man, that's dope. Like, you know, let's, let's do lunch or blah, 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 you know? Um, and the people that I look up to in various industries kind of look at me as the cool one, you know? Um, so that's cool. All that's cool about, about the tech industry. We don't, at Snapchat, we don't have um, free massages. Uh, oh, yeah. Dude, that's whack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's, it's cool, man. I mean, you know, we're, we're still, I mean, we, we work right off the beach, you know, like what's better than that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm footsteps from the sand and the shore. Um, and, and we're in Venice and, uh, you know, we got free food and all that stuff. And the company's very generous and throwing events and, all that kind of stuff that, you know, that, that's really, really cool. Um, that said, uh, there's a lot of improvement, uh, for tech culture in general. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen like the news that 
you know, with, with Uber and uh, recently and just, um, well, I didn't mean to say that to like trash other companies, but there's. Well, yeah, I mean, they were actually in the news, so it's, they, it's relevant. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just relevant. You know, um, there's also the negative side of, you know, tech culture being this bro-y kind of um, boys club, you know, um, that's uh, not very diverse, not very inclusive um, when it comes to people of color and women in general. Um, and I think, you know, that's due to a number of things. I think that, you know, when they're all their friends, are working with them and they all think like them and they all think the same and then yeah it's one of the i think about this so often it's such an interesting problem it like you know that you know coming from the bay area people would talk about that all the time like you know oh we have such a problem with diversity and this and that and it's like and 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 talking down upon the founders of these companies and talking down upon the companies as if they did something wrong which perhaps they did but if to play devil's advocate i mean People hire people are friends, but for the most part, if you like look around at people, people are friends with people who are like themselves. People hire people who are like themselves. So yep. you have a lot of white males that are sitting at like you, you mentioned about people like programming since they were born, or like yep. who were like nerdy playing video games, like you know they're like and that dude created that app, and then he the first people that he hired were his friends who were likely probably also going to be some white males, and then mm-hmm. they, you know what I'm saying, it just goes on and on, and it's like. It would be no different than me going into a, uh, I mean, not to be uh, super, uh, I guess, uh, racist isn't the right word, or maybe it is, I don't know. But like, if I were to go into a nail salon and it was like a Vietnamese woman or something, you know, and Uh be like, hey, why aren't there more white men that work here? Like, shouldn't there be more white people working in the nail salon? It's like, well, the Vietnamese woman hired her Vietnamese friends. Like, this is how this works, you know? Granted, one's a nail salon and one is a multi-billion-dollar company, which is the huge difference <laughs> right. there, you know. Right. Um, right, right. But to me, it it's just one of those things that kind of makes sense. Or they talk about how there's lots of uh, Jewish people that work in Hollywood, and that mm-hmm. makes sense to me because again, people hire their friends. So it's like you're uh, Jewish, you're likely to know other Jewish people, and you work with them, and you hire them, and this is how that works, you know. Um, yeah. And it's it's like one of these problems that. Uh, yeah, like I don't know what the solution is to it, but I don't. I also don't necessarily feel like we should be like, "Oh, you're so terrible for hiring people that are like you," because it's like, well, isn't that kind of what everyone else is doing too? Like, if you look at other places, but unfortunately, like you said, in uh, in something like tech or in something like finance, there's incredible amounts of money money to be made. So if you're keeping all of the money in one area, and then you're like, "Oh, that's cool. You have your nail salon, or you have your donut shop, or whatever it is." Um, and be happy with the amount of money that you're making. And then we're going to have this like tight knit white boys only club over here. Uh, yeah. and we'll be making all the money that definitely seems to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, uh, outside of like, <laughs> uh, having a monopoly on the, the pie or the, the money. Um, I think it's just about to, um, you know, the kind of environment, you know, that you create at a, at a corporate company, you know, um, you're obviously, you're obviously going to have, um, you know, if if you're not open to learning, you know, how to create environments that are inclusive to, you know, all different kinds of people, um, you're also not going to make 
a good product because if you're making a yes, product, hundred percent, making a product that's built for the world to use, but the only people building your products are people that look and think like you. Uh, you're doing yourself a, a total disservice. You know what I mean? Um, and also, I think too that like there's just maybe you know um, that's why that's why I talk about inclusion a lot too because you know diversity is one thing, but creating environments where you know um, minorities or people of color feel like they belong you know in, in in this space or they feel they feel safe you know to be at a company and let their hair down and be themselves you know and they're not necessarily reprimanded for whatever reason you know um that's a that's another step in the um in the the the, the problem in the you know the i guess the fight you know because um you look at people that are genuinely excited about these products and they, they have the skills and they say, Hey, like, I want to, I want to contribute, you know, to, to building something that is changing the world. Uh, but not at the expense of, you know, being mistreated, you know, in, in, in the workplace, just because I'm, there's just less of me here, you know? Um, and, you know, or the, the, the notion behind, um, you know, uh, I, I was working at Twitter and, you know, there was this big thing that came out with uh, the VP at the time um, was talking about diversity. And he's like, you know, yeah, you know, we care about diversity, but, you know, we don't want to lower the bar, whoa. you know. Oh, whoa, wow. And, and, you know, and it's just like, like, if, if that's the thinking, you know, behind leaders and that like, OK, like, yeah, we want to make a place that's, you know, cool and inclusive to our people. But. I'm not going to make it easier, you know, and it's like, well, you associate diversity with handicapping people. And that's not right. what or it's with about. a lower standard of work or something. E- exactly. Some exactly. And, and I think, too, it's just like, you know, um, you also do yourself a disservice if you're like, OK, well, the smartest people are at this at this at this school and this area. And that's where I'm going to recruit from. And that's where I'm going. And that's just that, you know, like and and you don't open yourself up to any other kind of, you know, possibility. Um, it's like, man, like the, the people are out there. One thing that a lot of leaders have to do is listen, you know, um, and, and really, really listen to, you know, the people that are talking about this stuff, you know, and not pretend like. Yeah, like we're we care and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And now we're going to do this. Like, just listen first, you know, and then empathize, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there are many, many good things and not so good things. But, you know, for my, myself, I've had a pretty um, a pretty nice uh, journey in my tech career so far. And I do pride myself on. You know, uh, doing what people did for me, mentoring me and giving me a shot, you know, when I wasn't the smartest guy and, you know, in the room. Just to be clear, I did um, end up graduating magna cum laude. So, um, wow, damn, that's awesome. Turn it around, around, man. Thank you. Uh, um, You can reap the benefits of a tech company. You don't necessarily have to be a coder. You know, there's so many other positions within these great companies that are non-technical. You know what I mean? So. 
I think people don't know don't know that and, and you could definitely take advantage of um you know a world changing product without being um a, a coding guru. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Justin, let's uh let's start to wind this thing down, dude. So uh before we get to the advice, if you could just tell us quickly what the pay is like as a software engineer and what the hours are like as a software engineer. Um, the pay is, man, I mean, what, I can buy a yacht tomorrow if I want to. You know, <laughs> that is a good a spot to be in. <laughs> buy a Lamborghini if I want to. Yeah. Uh, no, um, the pay is excellent, man. Like, you know, if, if you're a software engineer, you are a part of the 1%. You know, <laughs> you definitely are. Um, you know, it, it's very rewarding. Um, and if you have the opportunity, the rare chance to work at a company, you know, early, you get, you know, um, an equity package when the company's private. And then when the company goes public, you know, that's a very lucrative, you know, event. It could be a lucrative event for you. Like, you really have the, the power to change, you know, um, lives and, and generational like wealth um opportunities by working in tech you really do um it affords those kinds of opportunities and the thing is is like we're not curing cancer yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like You're putting goofy faces on people exactly <laughs> exactly and i like to think you know that's delightful in, in some way and that we're helping people you know communicate and just bring in the light in some way to just people. Yeah, have a light heart. Yeah, man, people, I mean, this might sound silly, but like people with cancer get to play with that app and maybe have fun and like brighten their day in some way, you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, So the pay is, the pay is amazing, man. I have no complaints. I can, I, uh, I'm not withheld from buying most things, you know? Uh, So if that's any indication of what the pay is like, I mean, what? Yeah, like six figures plus, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess that's what I was going to ask. Is it closer to like $100,000 for most people? Is it closer to like $200,000 for most people? Uh, well, it, that, see, that depends on um, your level too. Like, you know, c- coming in, you know, as an entry-level engineer out of school right now, yeah, you, you, you're definitely at the six-figure level, like off, off top. Immediately, if, like as like a 22-year-old kid. Default. Yeah. If you're at a, if you're at a good company, if you're at a, like, if you're at a Google, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, um, uh, what else you name it? Um, like Apple, Microsoft, Apple, Microsoft. Yes. Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Six figures off top. Um, or very close, very close. Uh, and then if you're like a manager, a director level or a VP, then like, that's when you get into, you know, um, upper one hundreds. 200s you know maybe well, i wouldn't say 200 uh but yeah maybe upper upper 100s like that that and you get freaking free lunch every day it's just exactly. so crazy that you make really good money and then you don't even have to spend it at lunch every day but not only that uh shuttle service to and from work too in some cases you know um and like it. like good good drinks and stuff like yeah. at my friend's tech offices i remember going there and there's just like stock with kombucha a lot of mm-hmm. good stuff to drink yeah, there there was there was beer on tap at Twitter. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. The, the perks are ridiculous, you know, and the 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 benefits are really good, you know. When you talk about medical, dental, and vision, and all that stuff, um, yeah, you're you're taken care of in tech. For and then sure. what about the hours? Uh, 
like if it is a quote unquote slow week, what would you be working? And if it was like approaching a launch date, um, what could it get up to? Yeah. Um, slow week. Uh, so that's the thing too. Like there's, there's rarely, there may be a slow week for your team or your area, but there's always something going on. Um, so it's good to be a team player and just be available for the general hours of a day, you know, um, like a typical nine to five. Um, I'd say on a slow day, um, or even just in general, like my meetings usually start at 11. Um, so as long as I'm in before that, like that's, that's good. Um, and I usually can stay till about six thirty-seven. I say the hours are very flexible. Um, there are times when it's crunch time, but you know, for the, for the most part, um, the hours are pretty flexible in tech for sure. When it gets to be crunch time, do you guys ever have to work like 60, 70, 80 hour weeks or is it still pretty, you know, close to like 40 to 50? Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's gotten up there for sure. Uh, maybe, maybe 60, I wouldn't say 70, 80, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Definitely, you know, weekends, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you may start working at work, you know, during the day in the office and you continue that work at home when you get home. Um, you know, there are people that are on call, uh, so to speak. You talk about like front end and back end people, you know, um, there are back end engineers and people that work on the server aspects of the product that have to always kind of be ready you know, to react to downtime or things that may happen in the wild. Um, because that stuff, like if I'm not writing code right now, there's still, there's still snaps and chats being sent, like, you know, millions, you know, millions and millions and millions of those are sent a day. Uh, so that's, that's data being transferred, that stuff just happening, you know? Um, so if something goes wrong, somebody has to kind of be ready to, you know, react to the stuff that's happening. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Um, so in that case, you know, the hours could vary. If you're on call, like you got to just just be, you know, be ready. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. like a like, like a, a trauma doctor. surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but for the most part, in general, since hours are very flexible. Cool. Um, all right, let's finish this thing up with what advice would you give to someone that wanted to get a job in tech? <sighs> I would say, um, so, um, first believe it's possible. <laughs> um, this is coming from someone who, uh, I grew up in Detroit, you know, um, the inner city. Um, I wasn't, I didn't have coding in, in school. I didn't, uh, I wasn't doing this since I was 11, 12, 13 years old. You know, I didn't even really love it. You know, but I've had the rewards of someone that dedicates their life, that would dedicate their life to it, you know. Um, so I say believe it's possible because it definitely is. If I'm any indication that it's possible, like it's, you, you, can, you can do this. Um, uh, now with, um, you know, the information age and there's, there's so much at our fingertips um, there's literally nothing stopping you from getting educated. Um, if you can spend time on Twitter or even using Snapchat or, you know, Facebook, you know, you could spend, uh, an hour a day, you know, with free, free online resources to learn how to code. 
um, you don't even necessarily need to go to a four-year uh, university uh, to get a degree. Um, there are dropouts in our field, <laughs> for sure. Um, they're the exception. Uh, but uh, And as far as learning is concerned, like there's nothing stopping you from, from learning how to, to, to do, you know, mobile, you know, iPhone programming or Android programming or web development. There's, there's tons of resources online that you can take advantage of. So I would say do that. Um, and then what would be the easiest sort of in for somebody? Like what type of company would, would hire someone with, you know, little to no experience and without like a four year degree, let's say? Yeah. Um, I, I would say, um, startups for, for, for sure. Um, that just need, you know, bodies. Um, and then uh, another thing too is you don't necessarily have to jump into the entry level of software engineering role. You could do something that's a little less, you know, technical, but still technical in nature, like, you know, IT or um, even something completely non-technical. And then, you know, like I said, in, in my experience in QA, we have people that started in customer support and customer operations and they transferred to our team and they're killing it, you know, um, didn't go to school for coding or computer science. You know, they just knew how to use the skills that they did have to apply it to this kind of role. Um, so uh, I guess the other advice is too, it doesn't have to necessarily be like a linear um, path. Like, oh, I go to this boot camp, I learn how to code. Now I'm going to get my entry-level engineering job at Snapchat. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And it probably won't be the case because yeah, there's a lot more you have to <laughs> learn. <laughs> yeah, need you know a few other mean? things on the resume. Yeah, yeah. And, and and even with that, I think the things that the bigger companies give nod to is that, say you come out of that kind of experience or you've done some kind of online learning, and you start doing projects on your own to show initiative and, and like a designer or anyone, you start to build your own portfolio. And you can, if you can explain like why you're interested in a certain technology and then you don't necessarily have to build a website from scratch but you can say hey I, I i was i was using this product and i thought it would be cool to build a little widget that does xyz yeah. and you show your thought process behind okay this is how i went about doing this i use this method or i use this this building block to build this because this works better with xyz and you know it's like showing your thought process and not necessarily you know you don't have to say like i shipped three apps in the app store i think companies are willing to work with that, you know, um, if you show initiative and starting to build things and, and finding ways to um, improve tech that you already use every day, you know, because then it becomes real to you, you know, and it's not just like a, a skill for a skill's sake, you know. Um, I think that's what, what companies can admire uh, over someone that just, you know, went to a, a, a boot camp and now they're trying to jump in and you know get a job you yeah. know right out of that and that's that's not impossible either i'm not saying that's not possible but um oftentimes with those camps they're very specialized you know um and you need to have a little bit more of a, a broader kind of range of thinking was that clear i think i don't even see i'm missing anything uh oh man that seemed clear to me i mean i'm ready to get a job right now 
let's do it. I told you, send your, send your resume, man. You can quit this podcast and start making the buku, yeah, buku money. Make the Snapchat podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing, man. Uh, all right, Justin, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for taking the time to explain all this stuff to us. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, Blake. Seriously, um, thank you for having me. Thank you for the questions. I just, I love doing this, man, sharing my perspectives and just, you know, uh, everyone loves talking about themselves. So I appreciate, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you letting me um, uh, have a vanity hour or so. Yeah, definitely, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.